I'm Arya Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. We're halfway point of the season, and the All-Star Game is tomorrow. Well, we're here to discuss everything in the first half of the 2021 season and get you prepared for this very long Olympic break. like our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com and remember downloading the episode makes our stats look better it makes a better listening experience for you and allows us to continue doing this important work rachel great to have you back in the booth I know you've been busy. You were on the ESPN podcast, LaChina's podcast, Around the Rim. You've been all over the place. You've been running events all over the country. How are you still alive or awake right now? It's a, it's just another summer in the life of me. And yeah, I just got back. We, we ran a really couple of really big tournaments out in the Midwest. Anyone who follows um, kind of the grassroots college basketball game knows July is a really busy time. So I was out in Indian Chicago working some events and getting out in front of um, some AAU coaches and the next generation of talent. So much fun. Not a lot of sleep. Uh, but I'm back in Colorado for like a whopping 24 hours before I head back or I'm sorry, head out to Las Vegas for the All-Star Game. Super excited about that. It's been a while. I'm really upset you're not going. Um, yeah. I will just continue to harass you about that for the next couple of days. But no, I'm good. I'm happy to be here. I mean, like, you know, my summers are crazy and I love it that way. I think Vegas would explode if both of us were uh, there at the same time. I don't think Vegas could handle us both. I mean, it's going to explode because it's going to be about 120 degrees regardless, but that's just yeah. I'm trying to figure you know, out. I get it, you know? but also, damn, that's hot. Yeah. Um <laughs> Well, all right, this episode, you know, look, it, we're on all-star break, Olympic break, whatever you want to call it. We got way too much time on our hands, but I think this is a good point for us to kind of just sit down, have an organic conversation about what's going on in the W right now, right? We'll get talking about Atlanta Dream and all of the, the little kerfuffle and everything going on there. We'll talk some Las Vegas Aces. Uh, really, every team, we're just going to run down and just give some thoughts on, you know, the first half of the season. Did they meet expectations? Did they exceed them? Did Are they disappointing? Um, what, you know, what just what are our thoughts of these teams now that we're at this point? Um, and let's just, you know what, let's start it on a good note and make our way down the power rankings. Not even the power rankings, sorry, the league standings. One through 12 with the Seattle Storm, 16 and 5 from the Seattle Storm. They're going into this game on a one-game win streak, eight and three at home, eight and two on the road. Um, their last ten games, seven and three. So that's kind of been, you know, this last ten-game stretch has kind of been a little, it's not even a rough path, Rachel, right? Because it's seven and three. But you know, this team has, I would argue, exceeded expectations just in the sense of there was a lot of question marks, right? Mm -hmm. And we talk about when we talk about the Atlanta Dream, we're going to talk about a head coach stepping down at a certain time before the season started. Well, that wasn't the only coach who stepped down 
uh, during this WNBA season or the preseason or whatever you want to say. Seattle Storm, Dan Hughes steps aside. Noel Quinn takes over, you know, hits the ground running. Obviously, a little bit of a different situation where you have a team that's just built to win and built to win now uh, versus a team that's still in the growing stages. But, Rachel, that's a long-winded intro for the Seattle Storm. What are your thoughts about the Storm? I think I think you could look at it one of two ways. I mean, we've kind of become desensitized a little bit, maybe, to the, to Seattle's success in the last few years. I mean, with three Olympians, I don't think um, it should be too much of a surprise that they're on, on top of the standings. But at the same time, like, you're right. To, to And I even said this recently on, on um, Around the Rim. They, they've really surprised me in some ways because you lost key factors of this team. Alicia Clark, what she does on both ends of the court, we talked about Natasha Howard, just the rim protection and, and just what she would, what she brought to this Seattle team. And then even Sammy Whitcomb, you know, so three really Im- important pieces along with the head coaching change. And so a lot of changes and, and this team really hasn't skipped a beat, you know, I mean, it's, it is a little bit different. I, I don't know as if they're, we could, we could go back and forth. Are they as dominant as they've been in the past? They're um, not. No, no, we, 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 all, we all can agree on that. I'm, I'm sure. But, but still, you know, they're at the top of the standings. They're, they're dominant. They've got Brianna Stewart, in my opinion, as MVP in the league right now. I think that's, that, that could easily change depending on how, what, what goes down the second half, but really impressive from Seattle. I mean, it, and, and like, like I said, it, in one hand, it's expected. They should be winning. They should be at the top. Um, I'm not sure I saw them. Like you would have asked me, you know, six months ago or even, even three months ago, would they be at the very top? With this record, I think I would have had them in the top three. Yeah. No, I, I think all your points are fair. I think for me, the big thing, honestly, bigger than Brianna Stewart, obviously Stewie's going to get a lot of attention, um, was, yeah, Jewel Lloyd. I mean, you have, a, a, like, look, this roster has been stacked for a few years now. This isn't, like, new thing. But I will say, and, and I'm fine taking the harp for this, but, like, look, going into this season – there were some questions about Jewel Lloyd. And I'm not saying about Jewel Lloyd in the sense of, you know, who is she? But is she going to take that next step to that superstar level for in the league, right? And honestly, if you look at the Seattle Storm team before their recent success, there was always this question of, you know, was Stewie underperforming? Was Jewel underperforming? Then they bring in Natasha Howard. Obviously, Dan Hughes joins them after a little bit of uh, a coaching carousel um and when dan hughes joins them this team really stepped up and they were so stacked but as we've seen some of these people that we talked about sammy wickham alicia clark natasha howard leave the seattle roster we've seen stewie get better we've seen jewel lloyd get better and yes there's been a lot of talk about mercedes russell the 2019 uh snubbed most improved player jordan canada has been playing great uh samuelson's come in there and is playing really well you know, there's, in my mind at least, it's almost more so about the ground that Stewie and Lloyd are covering more of than necessarily the role players stepping up and really, you know, just changing the world. And and that's just my opinion. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Um, I'll let you get in the last word before we move to the Aces. No, I mean, I, I think those you bring up really good points. Um, my, my concern with Seattle... Um, down the stretch in the later part of the season is, you know, th- maybe this is not as, I mean, yeah, they're second standing standings in offensive production. Um, but 
do they have someone else who consistently can take that scoring pressure off of Stewart and Lloyd? You know, obviously Bird's coming in, you know, she's averaged about 11 points, but who's that kind of fourth and fifth level scorer? Do they have what it takes to go deep into the playoffs and win it all? That's going to be my question mark. Yeah. And honestly, I'll flip it on the other end and I'll say defensively is my question mark, right? Sure. The the huge advantage of Howard and Clark was how good they were on defense. And it gave the ability for Stewie to be covered up a little bit on defense, but also to focus solely on offense. And when it comes to championship teams, kind of what you were saying, it comes down to not your number one, your number two option because those might be taken away in a five-game series in the finals against the best other team. It's about that three three and four option. Well, I will you know? say, I mean, halfway through the season, they've done they've done a really good job at it so far. They're giving up the third fewest amount of points per game. So being able to obviously do that on both ends of the floor, mm-hmm. score it the way, maybe not as much as you've been able to do in the past, but you're right there. But that, that that's going to be X factor. Can can they continue to defend keeping people in the 70s um, for that long-term success? Yeah, and can they defend against some of the bigger bigs in right. this league? Right. Um, so that, that, that'll be the question. And honestly, like, and this is something that's a perfect segue to the Aces of like, this team is 16 and five. The Aces are 15 and six, right? So we have a one game difference between them. It was a very similar situation last season where they end up being tied and the tiebreaker goes to the Aces and the Aces get home court advantage. The interesting thing for me, and I always want to bring it up with these teams that played so well in the first half of the season, I think almost the storm, I don't want to say are running on fumes and the aces are running on some fumes off last season, um, but you can't peak too early. And what I've seen from the sun and the links and heck, even the sky, the sky a little bit more, and we'll get to that as we're going down this list. But what I've seen more from the sun and the, and the links is that slow progression to playing their best basketball. But before we get to that, let's talk about Las Vegas Aces, a team where I know you and I both have questioned how Asia and Liz are going to work together. I think we've started to see how that's going to be, and it's looked a lot better. What it, in my mind, and and Rachel, you're the bigs expert here. In my mind, it's, you know, we've seen a dip in the offensive production from Liz Cambage, but her defensive production is getting bigger and better. Mm -hmm. And Asia Wilson has shown offensively that she's kind of, and in my mind, when I think of the aces without getting to the X's and O's and and all the stats and whatever, I'm not looking at the stats. When I say that, I feel like they've kind of said, okay, you know, obviously any given day, someone else is going to step up, but our core of our team is Asia. You're the faces, our face of our offense, Liz, you're the face of our defense. What are your thoughts on the aces? And am I going off the loony bin? No, I think that the, the, the question marks of how do those two work together are they've drifted far out of my mind. I haven't found myself asking that maybe at all this year. I love it. I love the dynamic. It is different than, you know, having Asia Wilson go to work in there by herself. Um, but I, I love it. I think just that dominant presence inside and what's making it so good is you've got players around them that are stretching the floor and forcing the defense to make extremely difficult choices. I mean, this offense is unbelievable. I mean, lead, leading the league, You've got, what is it, like six players averaging double figures? I mean, between, you know, and, and Raquana Williams is right there. She's right at 10 points per game. So, like, when, when you're when you're in the, the film room and you're trying to decide how to stop the Las Vegas Aces, like, I can't even imagine that task of, okay, well, like, we obviously can't let them throw it inside and have their way. That's what they want to do. We got to bank on them being able to knock down shots. And, and 
to their credit, Kelsey Plum is having a phenomenal year. I've really enjoyed watching her play. Jackie Young has continued, you know, to elevate her game. You know, the, the, the three-point shot wasn't a factor. That's something that, you know, it's still not a massive strength, but it's enough where she has to be respected. And obviously, Derrica Hamby, I mean, just like, I feel like she just have like the lifelong six man of the year award for everything she brings to this team. She's actually really coming on playing extremely well. Chelsea Gray has been a huge addition. So I think what, what, what happens is like, you know, this, this combination of Wilson and Cam Beige together, this is the best they've ever looked. You're seeing the chemistry between these, some of, some of this, you know, this core of this team and you put some even better pieces. I mean, this, this ACES team is primed to go do it all. The question with me and has always been, you know, the consistency factor from a defensive standpoint, um, from staying focused standpoint and not letting uh, things deter this team. I mean, again, this is the best, this is the best ACES team we've ever seen. Um, So I'm extremely high on them right now. I feel really good about them. Um, But, you know, I I don't, I don't, I don't know a ton of weaknesses in there except for, you know, just the six inches between your ears sometimes and and letting teams kind of get to them a little bit. Yeah. I mean, look, there's multiple teams that are talented enough to win the championship this year. That's that's not the question, at least in my mind. You know, it is. It's like it's like it's it's a coin it's it's a coin flip right now. I mean, yeah, we have the first, we have the top three in the standings: the, the Storm, the Aces, and Connecticut. But I mean, you could throw Chicago in there. I mean, we could we could have a lot of different conversations. Minnesota. I mean, good lord, they're playing the best basketball of anyone in, right now in the league. So eight um, eight and two over the last ten games, they have the best ten game record right now by that one game between. You know, look, Chicago is also seven and three. Aces are seven and three, and the Storm are seven and three in that period of time. So it's it's a close one. I mean, honestly, the Connecticut Sun six and four. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not that seeing much parity from like the top two teams to the lower lower ten or you know whatever. That parity kind of comes now more after the top four or five now, and the bottom ones are such an anchor. You know that that's where we see the massive difference. That, that's what I see in this year is just. It's kind of a, an unknown. Like for years, years before, we were like, okay, we know for sure it's going to come down to the Sparks and the Links, or there's there's no way no one's beating the Storm. We don't have that this year. Yeah, no, and and that's the part that I love about this. I mean, but what we were talking about before, when I mentioned playing your best basketball at the right time, looking at the Storm and the Aces, I don't, I think like the best basketball I've seen them both play this season was earlier in the season. Right. Let, like in my mind, I kind of I kind of break it down into two seasons. You have the pre all star break slash Olympics break and the post. And just in regards to those two teams, I got to be honest, I think we've already seen their best basketball. If, if we look at that first half of the season as a season itself, I saw them possibly peak too early. Now, what does that mean? Probably nothing. But when you talk about the, the number three team, and the number four team, Connecticut and Minnesota, what I've seen from them is a slow progression with Connecticut. Yeah, they started off real hot, right? But then JJ dips out for some Euro. And the question really became kind of, okay, how far are they going to fall when they don't have JJ? And can they continue to create an identity without JJ so that JJ, John Qual Jones, can just come back and continue her MVP level season? I've seen that from Connecticut, um, but they did have... One bad loss to the 12th ranked Indiana Fever, which honestly was kind of a shocker. What were your thoughts about that and just the sun in general over this first half? Because there's been a lot of bright spots and I feel like 
we'd be remiss if we just gloss over uh, that egg that they laid. <laughs> well, it's like you knew it was going to happen, right? And I was like, and as I'm watching it, I'm like, like is Fever going to get somebody? And like, who's it going to be? Um, I really, it, it, it's <laughs> like you said, it's an egg. And of course, it ends up being Connecticut. It just, when I was watching that game, Connecticut looked exhausted. They were on the tail end of a really tough stretch. Honestly, we're at that point now where a lot of these teams were really, in my opinion, kind of limping into these final days before this break. I mean, Connecticut looked exhausted. They could not buy a basket, um, you know, and the fever took advantage of it, you know, and in and, and a team like that, I wouldn't say by any stretch that the sun overlooked them. I just think, <laughs> you know, the, the, the fever, the fever are not incapable as they, as they showed. And then, you know, you get a little bit of momentum, you beat the, the, one of the top teams in the league and you, then you go on and win a couple games and, um, have some momentum headed into this break. I mean, it was such a lull for Indiana the first you know month and a half of the season. So now they're riding a high note. Um, we'll get to them here in a little bit. But I think with Connecticut, I'm really impressed with them overall. Um, with this team, I think you've had some players who have really, really stepped up um, and been you know what Kurt Miller had hoped that they could be. I mean, you you really kind of um, walked into this season at a disadvantage without Alyssa Thomas. And without that roster spot because of, of your decision to retain Alyssa Thomas, which was absolutely needed to happen or else you would have lost her. Um, John Quell Jones leaves for a period of time. She's right now runner up for MVP. Super close though, in my opinion, she can't miss much more basketball, but you know that even with her leaving, you know, and they were able to kind of weather that storm a little bit. I don't remember how many they lost during that period of time. I'd have to really do some math. There's maybe two or three, but I'm really impressed with Connecticut. I really am. I mean, the, the issue is going to be the depth and can this team haven't, they've proven that they can do it defensively, right? Like, like their defense, their defense is the best in the league. They're, they are absolutely punishing teams and how they're game planning and taking them out of what they want to do. The question for me is going to be, you know, long-term you get into a playoff, you get into the later part of the season. Do you have the offensive firepower you know, to, to sustain, sustain in a series. That's going to be um, the big question mark. But, I mean, super impressive team. I, I, if you had Alyssa Thomas, in my opinion, this team's at the top of the standings. Yeah. I Well, talk about, you know, going through a, a offensive drought. That's what happened to them in game five, game five of the semifinals against the Aces last year. So they got to find that way. I, in my mind, though, like, I want to think that, like, you can just give John Quell the go go gadget the ball and she'll go go gadget the her arms to make that bucket. You know, you know that sentence made absolutely no sense, but you know what I mean. Like John Quell Jones is gonna get a bucket when you need a bucket. Um but that but that was kind of what happened with the fever. She she looked gassed at the end. She yeah. completely gassed. They were trying to get her get get the ball to her and go get a bucket and it was it was it was it was, too was that the game that Natisha Heidman hit those crazy she three did. those back to back threes yeah. and I was just like keep giving can I just I, I know we talked about this on the pod when we had her on. I know we've talked about this before, but I just want to give props and Tisha Heidman for what she's been able to do this season, but even more so, like Somebody needs to videotape the way she plays. Like, you can physically see how much confidence she has when she's shooting it like that. And somebody needs to just show her that and be like, you need to always... If she plays with that confidence, she's a top guard in this league. I don't care what anyone's going to say. Videotape it, post it, call me crazy, put it on a post, whatever it is. Like, when she is shooting confidently, she's not missing the freaking ball. Let's move on to my hometown team, the Minnesota Lynx. 
just, I mean, look, obviously rough start to the season. Yep. They're six and three at home, six and four on the road, eight and two in the last 10 games on a seven game win streak, the hottest team in the league. They're still short aerial powers. So I still got someone to come back. This team has found a rhythm. And as I spoke about in the last episode, we did a whole episode with Danny Barlavi uh, about the Minnesota Lynx and talking about what Lady has brought to this team. But just in general, I mean, this team has really hit a stride at a good point. I, I hope for the Lynx that this long break doesn't affect things too much, gives the players who need rest rest, and gives the players who need a little bit more work a little bit more work. What are your thoughts on, on my hometown team, Rachel? Um, I'm blown away. I wish I wish I could have watched them more um, a little bit the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I feel like as soon as I stop watching, then Minnesota goes on a huge run. Um, but just from that was on purpose, right? Of course, <laughs> just just from you know reading and kind of going back and, and looking at the numbers. I mean, obviously Sylvia Faust came out playing phenomenally. Nafis Collier's having a really good year. Um, Kayla McBride. You know, I, I think that the, the backcourt really stepping up and and Clarendon. I mean, has been perfect for this Lynx team. An absolute perfect addition. Um, and then I think Dantas has come on a little bit late. That's a huge part. You know, I think when we were in the early part of the season looking at Minnesota, it was like, where are they going to get their scoring from? I mean, it mm-hmm. was like Collier and Fowles. Like, you know, like someone else has got to be able to hit some shots. And now you've got five people averaging double figures. You know, they're right in the middle of the pack in terms of offense, right in the middle of the pack in terms of defense. And um, you know, they've been able to control the glass and, and, and really do a great job. Faust has been that anchor. Uh, but I think Dantas, you know, yeah, we're not talking a ton about her, uh, but she's had some games where she's really, I mean, she was kind of non-existent early part of the season. I'm just going to say it. Um, so she can't, they can't afford to have Dantas, you know, not producing um, in one way or another. That's been a huge factor from what I can tell, just kind of from what I'm watching. But man, I mean, and I think anyone who watches this league in general, if you wrote Minnesota off, you're, you're crazy, you know, right? Like we say this a lot about this team, slow start, not about this team, but you know, like a Cheryl Reeve coach team, this team was going to figure it out. They're going to get some confidence. They're going to go on a roll. I mean, and they're right there. Like, it's like nobody wants to play Minnesota right now. And and you've got an anchor and Sylvia Fowles, who it probably could be in a top five conversation of MVP at this point. And who knows, could be right there at the top of the conversation, depending on what happens the second part of the season. But I've been really impressed with Minnesota. Hey, if this team finishes top four, top three, somebody on the team needs to be considered for MVP. And I think it has to be Sylvia Fowles. I just want to echo what you're saying. Dantas was a key in many ways, but I think it's almost bigger than her because there was a lot, like you said, it was Sylvia and Fee were tearing it up. But no, no one else was doing anything. McBride wasn't consistently hitting shots. Bantam was not consistently hitting shots. Um, you know, uh, Powers came in and was, uh, you know, from my understanding, was not in game shape, gets injured partially because of that. McBride starts hitting the ground running finally. She starts getting that consistent shooting. There's a lot more trust in this team. Dante starts hitting the shots. And the same thing we talked about with Seattle and we've talked about with Connecticut, a little bit less with the Aces, but... Who's going to step up when you get into a series, when you get into the playoffs? Fee's going to be, you know, on lockdown. Sill's going to be on lockdown. Who else? It's it's no longer just about your star players. It's about, you know, I don't want to say star players, but it's about who's the second or the third and the fourth option. And can they consistently produce? Because if you have a team 
that has multiple players, you know, four or five players scoring in double digits, you have to fear those players. And I cannot stress enough, having Dantes hitting some threes stretches the court so much, and it literally puts defenses in the mindset of, okay, are we going to double sill down low, or is she just going to get easy buckets? Are we going to give an open shot to Dantes early in the season? The answer was yes, because she ain't making nothing. Now the answer is no, because if you let that open, she's going to knock them down. Let's move on to Chicago Sky, your hometown team, your origin hometown team. Uh, <laughs> 10 and 10, 7 and 3 on a two-game losing streak. But we have to keep in mind they're 10 and 10, and they had a seven-game losing streak at one point in this season. I mean, what what are your thoughts on Chicago? Obviously, it's not panic time. I think what I've seen is at certain points, they were top of the pack. Certain points, they were bottom of the pack. And now they've kind of plateaued in the middle. And the question is, can they continue to climb? Yeah, I mean, so their seven-game win streak was snapped by the best defensive team in the league, the Connecticut Sun. Shouldn't be a massive surprise. I mean, held held the sky to just 58 points. And I mean, it was like almost, it was almost like they were due for, you know, like a slap in the face from an offensive standpoint. I mean, they were like, mm-hmm. you know, they were, they were, when they were on that streak, I mean, offensively, they were just rolling, you know, to sustain that the remainder of the season is just, it's just, it's just not going to happen. So, you know, I looked at that Connecticut sun game and I thought, you know, the sun, sun, the sun are going to do what they do. And they did. Um, and then from there, you know, I think it's just, you go into the break, God, what they end up doing? They went in, they won one of the last four. Um, so, so that's rough. You know, I think you got a good win over Dallas in there. And then you, you split, so you split with Dallas, which, which isn't, isn't too surprising. Dallas is a dangerous team of maybe the most dangerous team in the league in terms of just what they can do. I mean, they're just a complete wild card of what this team can, they can beat anybody from top to bottom or they can lose to anybody from top to bottom. Um, and then, you know, the, the heartbreaker, man, this, then that was an incredible game, um, against the Mystics at home and overtime with all the, all the fans there. Shout out to every AAU program and coach, college coach who was in attendance to that one. I know it was a really exciting game and you know, that, that you can't drop that game to Washington, you know, that I think you, you had to win that one to be going into this break with feeling okay about yourself. But, you know, I, there's no doubt Chicago has the ability to go win all this this whole thing. There's no doubt about that. Um, obviously being able to get some rest during this break and, and recuperate a little bit, shore some things up, but I don't know, you know, I, I, I think they have, I think they can do it all. Um, but it's like been the, the tale of two teams, you know, this first half of the season. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think it's interesting. They ha- they have the talent, they have the skill. Like we said before, there's multiple teams that have the ability and the talent to win the championship. A lot of it comes down to consistency and the mental aspect. New York Liberty jumping from an out-of-playoff team to just inside the playoffs at number six seed at 10 and 11 on a two-game losing streak, four and six in the last 10 games. And Rachel, I keep thinking back to the beginning of the season when this team was like one of the top teams in the standing, if not the top team in the standing. And you kept saying, just wait, you know, they're riding high right now but eventually there's going to be some bumps in the road and we've started to see those bumps in the road natasha howard uh ideally it will be a completely full go after this elongated all-star olympic break so obviously i think that's a positive hopefully sabrina inescu can heal up a little bit 
uh, during this time also, so she won't see as much of a minutes restriction. But I'm curious for you where the state of the New York Liberty is and like kind of what you expect for the second half. You know, I think, I think, I think this is a really exciting team. I think it's a team that has not really been a hundred percent. I think I would love to see this team with Howard in there um, because I think they just get, they just get killed in the paint. Um, and I think the secret's out, you know, I mean, you, you watch enough film, you, you come out of the gate, guns a blazing, but Laney's doing what she's doing. Sammy Wickham's played extremely well. Um, Anya is, 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 is playing phenomenally. And so there is film and there are scouting reports and the secret is out of what this team is going to do. So how do you adjust? How do you adapt? I think what we're seeing is a lot of teams in this league have them figured out. They have Benajelani figured out. There's more film. There's more reps to understand tendencies and what to do to get the ball out of her hands or make someone else beat you. Benajelani is playing phenomenal. Um, I think she is just such a joy to watch, but like she can't do it all by herself, you know, and, and Onion Wede is great. Um, Sammy Wickham's, I think, has been a really nice addition. But to me, this is not a complete team. Now, are they as bad as they've been in recent years? Absolutely not. We, we all agree on that. Um, but I think that they've got a, got the potential to kind of rebound from these last two losses. You know, in the standings, they're, they're, they're in decent position. I, I, don't, I don't consider the Liberty to be contenders by any stretch. You know, so you're going from a tank team in the league to now you're sitting at six. You know, like in the grand scheme of it all, you've got to feel like, okay, you know, we, we are a better team. We've got better players. We just continue to learn and grow every single day. Let's take some, take some time to, to work on ourselves and, and take some, you know, get healthy, um, rest during this break, and approach the second half with a few more pieces, a few more healthy pieces, and see what we can do. I mean, I think they've positioned themselves to be a better franchise um, in, in that middle of the pack where, like, like at this point, like, you know the Liberty, depending on how they show up that night, like, they, they can contest with anyone. So, Yeah. Well, that's the thing that I, I'm so glad you brought up the film aspect of it, because early on in the season, I was I thought that that was the case where I'm like, OK, teams need to build some film, right? They have a lot of young players and you look back at last year and you get an idea, but it, it's not enough, right? You need you need film so you can actually study a lot of these other teams you have seen enough years of these players playing that you get a general idea of what they're going to do, what they're capable of and things like that. I love the way the New York Liberty play, but I, but I completely agree. Now that the film's out, the secret's out, it's just a matter of, okay, now we're seeing what this team truly is and how they can progress and grow. And a lot of that falls on the players. A lot of that falls on head coach uh, Walt Hopkins. You know, I don't want to say that we're riding the talent and that now it's a time to figure out the coaching aspect, but I kind of feel that way. Maybe I'm crazy. I think it's fair. I think it's fair to look at it from every possible angle, you know, that you want, but this year for the Liberty is going to be about, you know, taking that next step with better players and, and they're going to fall somewhere between probably five and eight. I would imagine uh, maybe nine, um, but like this will have been a year that was a really positive step in the right direction for this franchise as a whole. Now, I think we can start really being critical of coaching and things like that in the coming years. I don't know if it's quite to that point this year, but hey, who am I to say what you can criticize or not? Yeah, let's move on to the number seven team, the Phoenix Mercury, a team that honestly I think it's fair to say is up there with Dallas as the most disappointing this season. Uh, Phoenix Mercury, yeah, Diane Trossi's injured, but I keep harping on this. Like, 
this is the word. Come on, guys. Come on, people. It's they have Brittany Griner. They got Skylar Diggins Smith. They have a plus three. You have three Olympians as well. Right. Like and 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 that's only counting America's Olympians. Right. Alana Smith is on Australia. Like and you got a head coach who's an Olympic coach, too. But whatever. That's besides the point. My point is more so that this team is too stacked, is too talented to be sitting here at the number seven seed, four and six in the last 10 games. That's just ridiculous in my mind. This team is so talented. And I know that like as media members, you know, we shouldn't be criticizing effort or motivation and things like that. But like at a certain point, when do we sit here and do we go, okay, look, the Phoenix Mercury have some of the best players in the league. I'm not even calling these players overrated or anything like that. I'm saying they're underperforming. Like, that's a very big difference to me. And at a certain point, you have to start questioning, okay, what's the reason they're underperforming? Because it's not like they're getting outplayed, right? It's not like these other teams are just physically better than them. They are just not performing at the level that I think if Brittany Grinder is going to be one like a top three greatest center of all time, she's not showing it this year. Skylar Diggins-Smith is going to be a top five guard of all time. She's not showing it this year. Like, And that's not saying that these players are playing horribly. All I'm saying is if you're going to be on the talent level that these players are, you need to perform at that talent. And a 9-10 and 10 record sitting at number seven barely in the playoffs is not that in my mind. What's your Phoenix Mercury thought? When I think about the Phoenix Mercury, I just like I just feel like blah. Like, I'm just like, blah. You know, like, I don't even, I, I don't, I'm sorry if I'm making anyone, if I'm making anyone upset. I'm just, I'm not enjoying watching this team. I think it's like, I don't know. I don't know what it is because I agree. Like, you look at this team, maybe it's because Tarazi's been out. I don't know. Maybe it's because, you know, Griner, you know, is, is can be a little bit inconsistent in terms of, you know, kind of her play. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, they, they, they get out-rebounded a lot. You know, I, I don't really know what it is. Um, I think Skylar Diggins Smith has all the potential in the world to be, you know, one of, the, I mean, it, it, we don't, one of the best point guards in the league. She, she's scoring a ton of points right now. Her and Brittany Griner are averaging about forty points, you know, for this team. But it's almost like they don't have any other anything else around them. You know, I, I don't know how you feel about Kia Nurse as the addition here. It's been okay. Um, you know, I don't. I think she should be producing more for what this team needs to be successful. Um, Beyond that, you know, you don't have Tarazi out there. She, she's only played in seven games. So it's like the last 12, like, I just don't think they have good enough players around them. I really don't. And I and I, I just, I don't know. It just feels a little bit stale to me, to be honest. It's stale. I mean, all right, this is my thing. One, I don't care about Tarazi. And, like, I went on this rant. I don't remember if I tweeted it or I was on a podcast, whatever. Like, I don't care about Tarazi. And take that as you want. She is no longer an MVP candidate. She is no longer arguably the best player in the league. Heck, I like I will say this confidently. She's not a top 10 player in this league. She's not a top 12 player in this league. She's not like she's not the best player on her team. You're going to offend a lot of people with that, but I understand what you're saying. We're talking about performance of this year. Exactly. I'm not talking about of all time. If we're talking about all time, yeah, she's a top, you know, 10 greatest of all time. And I still will not call her the GOAT because I personally don't think she is. I think there's multiple other players. Yes, she has a scoring title. Yeah, she has the swagger. I love all those things about her. I don't think scoring, like just being a scoring threat over that period, whatever. 
that's a whole nother episode. My point is more so that this team is consistently built to to give her a chance to win one more championship until she's gone. But realistically, the problem is, is, and maybe this is my opinion, maybe like, maybe this isn't what their mindset is, but the problem is, is you're building a roster expecting her to play the amount that she used to play when she was quote unquote, the goat, right? Realistically. Now she can't play those same minutes. She can't take that same beating, which means you're building the roster in the wrong way. You shouldn't be looking for someone to be a substitute for her. You should be looking for someone to be like a, uh, by committee with her, well, in yeah, my that's opinion. That's where we talk about pieces, right? They don't have enough pieces. Yep. They don't have enough pieces. Yeah. No, you're right. Anyway. Yeah, hey, got a... That's my, that's my take. All right, let's move on. I think we both knocked it out the park. Oh, side note, I think the Phoenix Mercury should just play the Las Vegas Aces every game because when Brittany Griner goes up against Liz, when Brittany Griner, you know, goes up against those premier bigs, those are realistically the times that I've seen Brittany Griner sometimes play her best. It's a crapshoot anyways. Um, and and that's a whole five episode series right there. But let's talk about the Washington Mystics, my current hometown team, eight and 10, five and five over the last 10 games on a one game win streak. This team, look, uh, I'm not going to say that it's Tina's an MVP candidate, right? They're barely in the playoffs, but Tina's yeah. been playing great. She's yeah. putting up great numbers. I know everyone wants to talk about her in the MVP conversation, sure. but like most valuable player. So your value is you're taking a team and making them barely in the playoffs. I like that's, that's what my beef is. Sorry. go. No, I agree. I mean, it, but she's playing phenomenal. We, 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 yes. we, she's, she, if this team can find themselves, they can jump up the standings, you know, and get, get, get themselves. I mean, I, I mean, Coach T said, you know, we're just trying to get through this break, right? And position ourselves to still be, like, survivable through this, right? I mean, they're eighth, they're mm-hmm. eight and ten. Honestly, they're six and a half games back. Um, so so you're not going to finish with the top of the standings unless some, I don't even know if that's possible because some, something absolutely crazy happens. But position yourself to be playing your best basketball in the playoffs with a full roster. I, I mean, there's still a lot of question marks. Do, what's the latest with Elena Deladon? Do we even know? Does anybody know? She's not healthy enough for the Olympics. That should tell you all you need to know. I think the last quote I saw from Coach T was something to the effect of she's looking better every day. We haven't had any setbacks. I expect her to be doing some like two on two during in like the next week and then moving on, hopefully during this break to like full five on five. My thing is this. Everyone keeps acting like Oh, Elena Deladon comes back and all of a sudden they're a championship contender. And that's not a, that like me causing question to that isn't a knock on Deladon. It's just as simple as saying, you know, Tina Charles has essentially done everything for this team. I have a lot of respect for Ariel Atkins and what she's been able to do. But besides Tina Charles, like realistically, nobody has really done anything. And I think it's almost naive to think that, oh, you add in another MVP in Elena Deladon. She's one of the greats. I get it. I'm not knocking that at all. Let's say she is like 1,000% ready to go. Do we just magically think that these two players who have never played a lick together are perfectly going to sink, and all of a sudden we're going to have, you know, this two-tower lineup similar to Emma Miesemann and Elena Deladon or whoever you're thinking of? I have a lot of questions of that. And that's not a knock against T or any of the players. It's just as simple as like, they're going to need to vibe and they're going to f- need to figure out spacing and they're going to need 
And yes, I get it. They're some of the greatest players to touch this league, but like, it's not just going to all of a sudden happen. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I agree. I mean, and then that, that takes time, right? Like, like to gel. I, and even if she does be able to come back, like you said, doesn't, doesn't happen overnight. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, it's, this Mystics team's just not at a hundred percent, but, but I do think there's some, some bright spots. Errol Atkins looks phenomenal. Tina Charles, we've already talked about Tina Charles. I mean, she looks like she's playing literally the best basketball of her life, but you have to run the offense through her because that's the number one option right now. If you have other mm-hmm. consistent scorers around her, those numbers are going to look a little bit differently, but it's not, not to take away from what she's doing. Maisha Hines Allen, you know, she's had some big, massive games this year. Um, I just think, you know, this team, it, it, can they score enough points consistently? You're not you're not going to be able to just outscore everyone every single night. That's not the Mystics team that we're used to. That's not this team this year. So you've got to be able to get stops. You've got to be able to defend. They're not defending well at all to be able to combat what they're scoring. So that's where they're at, in, you know, in the standings. I think they're, they, correct me if I'm wrong, they might be third to last in terms of points they're giving up per game. So um, you know, not not awful. I think I think there's a question mark here. This this could be a wild card team, or this could be just a um, an, an an interesting year for the Mystics. That you know they're just they're just not at 100. percent They don't have their their typical roster that we would expect them to have. Yeah, and for me, if if we're gonna see the Mystics make this turnaround, honestly, besides the injured players getting more healthy, I know Tasha Cloud's just coming off an injury, but like for me, it's a lot of it is on Natasha Cloud's shoulders. Can she step up and be the confident scorer that we honestly haven't seen? En- like too often when she's been the orchestrator of this offense, it's been about facilitating to other people and knowing who to get the ball to because who is performing well. But I need her to step up and be an offensive threat. We haven't really seen that so far this season. And for excuse me, for this team to be successful, that's what I want to see. Dallas Wings, another team that... Honestly, disappointing. Nine and twelve, four and six in the last ten on a three-game losing streak. There's a team that has a lot of talent, and I'll be honest, I feel bad for head coach Vicky Johnson for the simple fact that this team has so much young talent that they're like stuck in this perennial we need to play almost everyone on the roster, right? Because they're so young, they need to get the reps in so that they can grow to make this team good down the road. But at the same time, they have enough talent to be better than they are right now. So it's kind of like, well, do you focus more so on winning some games now to hurt yourself in the long term? Or do you have the confidence and job stability? Maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but a confidence and job stability to take some losses now so that you can win later on. What are your thoughts? There's no doubt that like Dallas can beat anyone any given night. I mean, it's funny because, like, when you said they've been one of the most disappointing, I was kind of taken back because, like, in my mind, I see Dallas as just, like, this exciting team that, like, can go off any given night and, like, some mm-hmm. things can happen. So, like, I totally agree with you, by the way. This, like, admiration for this team that it's exciting and you don't really know what's going to happen and they can beat anybody. I mean, they, they, they're one of the funnest teams to watch in the league right now. Mm-hmm. But when you step back and you look at the standings and you're kind of like, okay, well, like, this is underwhelming You have to be nine and 12 on a three game losing streak headed into the break. I mean, it's kind of like, well, damn, but, but you know, well, but I think but Rachel go ahead, go ahead. real quick, just like kind of what you were saying is they can beat anybody, any game, 
but they just aren't. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, yeah, you, this is a team that's very much still figuring it out. I mean, look at the lineups. Vicki Johnson has switched up lineups more than any other team in the league so far. And that just, that just screams that this is a coach challenging her team. Um, things that are going on in the locker room in terms of, you know, expecting more from others. And that's completely normal, completely normal things from a team that's, you know, learning what works, what doesn't work, what are the right rotations, what are the wrong rotations? Hey, I'm challenging you because you're not giving me enough. Um, so that's what it says to me. Um, I, I, there's other people that have different opinions of, oh man, they should be playing this player more, this player should be starting, what's going on, this inconsistent. I just, this is a team that's figuring it out. And you know, you one night it's going to look phenomenal, and the other night it's going to look like a train wreck. Um, maybe not a train wreck. That that's that's harsh because I think we're past the train wreck portion with the Dallas Wings. But you know, they're they're figuring it out now. I will tell you what's going to be critical is a year from now when we're talking about this team. If we're still sitting here talking about, I'm so tired of talking about the Dallas Wings being this young team. Blah 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 blah. Like a year from now, like things need to be figured out. And so you got to hope that during this break, during the second part of the season, you know, this team maybe gets on a roll. It's entirely possible. Um, we all know what they can do. We've seen them go toe to toe with the top teams in this league. Um, you know, are they going to win it all? I don't, there's no, there's no way because of the inconsistency factor, but um, you know, it's, it's just going to take time. It's a process. You got to trust the process. No, I completely, completely agree. Uh, let's move on to a team that some might say is disappointing me. I feel validated. We're talking about the 10th placed LA Sparks at 6 and 13. They're currently in the last 10 games, 2 and 8 on a 6 game losing streak. That is the second largest streak in the league currently behind the Lynx 7 game win streak. Tied for, you know, 10th, 11th. They're tied with the Atlanta Dream at 6 and 13. Just, you know, not what you want to see. From the LA Sparks, uh, you got the Gumakes that are out for this. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know what's going on with them. I'll say this: they're injured, quote unquote. They've been on the injury list the whole, basically the whole season, besides those couple games that they played in the beginning of the season. We haven't gotten like clear updates on them, but now supposedly they're ready to play for Team Nigeria if they're able to for the Olympic trial, like the. Olympic, you know, exhibition games going on in Vegas right now. Uh, and maybe if FIBA allows them or the Olympic Committee allows them, they'll be entered into the Olympics with Team Nigeria. Personally, I think it's freaking amazing, you know, how many times we've seen so many players, American players, say, hey, I'm not making Team USA. Let me, you know, get citizenship to a different country and play for that other country. I love that it's happening with a superstar. Honestly, like I, I love that NECA is doing that. And I think it would be amazing if all three of the Agumakes played together and were just some like, like, I don't, I don't know the records of Nigeria in the Olympics, but I think it'd be amazing if they broke all of their old, like how far they've gone, how well they've done stuff like that. And they just set like every Olympic record because it's the Agumakes and they're amazing. Um, and then Chrissy Tolliver has been out too. She gets hit in the, in the eye or like around the eye pretty unclear what's going on with that and and, and what the recovery process is or, or what's the expected return time. Um, I haven't seen too much come out about that. Maybe I missed something. What are your thoughts on the LA Sparks besides, you know, just kind of disappointing and, and kind of a letdown? Yeah, I agree. You know, they definitely this team has battled a ton of injuries. That's unfortunate. Um, the extent of those injuries and, you know, 
timetables and things like that like is a little bit confusing to me um, to be injured. And then now we're talking about playing the Olympics. I'm kind of trying to understand how that works, uh, you know, and maybe that means that, you know, there's, there's a close, close to return for, um, the, you know, the remainder of the season. I think obviously this team desperately needs it. You're trying to win games with, you know, they play, I think they play hard at times. Um, I think, I think they compete. I mean, you've got Erica Wheeler, Amanda Zowie you know, thrown in a position, um, you know, where they're, they're competing, but like, they just, we shouldn't be surprised that this team's doing what they're doing just because they don't have enough pieces. They don't have that star power, in my opinion, enough star power um, to go be consistent. The thing I want to talk about, and maybe I'm completely wrong. We might have to edit this out because I sound like an idiot, but like, does this team, ta- you can't tank and get a lottery pick because they traded it away. Correct. Yep. So, you know, you got to find a way to win and you got to find a way to get ink, ink yourself into the playoffs. Um, like you said, it's 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 unfortunate because of the injuries. It's unfortunate uh, and just disappointing across the board. You know, you you want to see more from this LA Sparks team. I'll say this: one, Derek Fisher is the GM, and he put his, you know, Derek Fisher stamp on this team. So it is not a good sign for his career as a coach slash GM. Two, I will say that the response from the LA Sparks would probably be about the Agumakes and Chrissy Tolliver. If we had a playoff game tomorrow, they would play. These are not playoff games, so we're not going to risk hurting our, you know, franchise players that much more, which, you know, take it how you want. Um, But I agree with you, right? Like going into the season, I predicted this team you know, if they maxed everything out, would be a six seed. Realistically, would be you know somewhere between eight. Honestly, I believe I said eight and ten. Sure. Um, maybe I said seven and ten, or maybe I was you know really hedging my bets and said seven eleven. So I'm I'm feeling vindicated. But at the end of the day, if you're the LA Sparks, you're a team currently excluding the injuries. You're a team made up of players who have consistently been trying to prove themselves in this league. Now they have a chance. So I like that. They're not going to give up. I see, you know, an upbeat uh, uh, energy around the team, which I think is a positive. Sure. The only negative currently in my mind is they're not proving themselves right now. And if this team wants to have true success this season, the real thing is making the playoffs. So you can like LA is always going to be a destination for free agents, right? But you don't want it to be a destination solely because of its location and market. You want it to be a destination because people are confident they can come play for you and win. Kind of like what the Minnesota Lynx did. They had a a lot of people leave, a lot of injuries, however you want to call it. They didn't have a full-time roster. They end up still making the playoffs, overperforming. People start raving about Coach Reeve again. And now people continue to be reminded why they want to play in Minnesota. And the LA Sparks need to take a page out of that book. Find a way to make a playoffs this year and salvage the season so that come off season, you know, they can make the decisions they want to make to build a roster that's actually competing next year. Well, maybe that's hard. The, the thing, no. the thing that I, I will, I will credit LA for they're defending, they're defending their, Oh yeah. Their defense is sick. Team. They're, they're really, they're, they're one of the top defenses in this team and that's how they've won the games that they've won. The, the problem is they have the worst offensive league. They can't score. They can't score. Um, so there you have it. There you have it. Let's move on to the number 11 team and the number 12 team, Atlanta Dream. Um, Atlanta Dream, 6-13, and 13, like the Sparks, 2-8 in the last 10 games, like the Sparks, uh, have a four-game losing streak. 
one of the longest streaks, the third longest streak in the league right now behind the Sparks and the Lynx, who Sparks lost six, Lynx won seven. Interesting thing in their conference, they're five and six. So, you know, the Atlanta Dream were one of those teams that at one point were really in the bottom. They found their way to kind of climb back up and people were starting to go, huh, what's going on here? Could they, could they uh, we see something happen, you know? And then it kind of all went splat. Um, you know, we don't need to get into, I'll just, look, obviously everyone's going to go, why didn't you talk about the Kennedy Carter thing? She's been suspended, you know, indefinitely. We don't know when she's coming back. It's between her and the man or in the ownership group when she come back. This is what I'll say on this. And this isn't a knock on any player, any team, whatever. Let's just lay out what happened, right? You have a roster full of strong personality leaders, you know, alphas. You have a roster full of guards. Score a lot of players who Venn diagram overlap. You have your coach leave a week before the season starts, and she was very instrumental in building this roster. And you're six and thirteen. What do you think's gonna happen? Do you think that like, and I'm I'm saying this in the sense of we don't need to pretend that a you know vocal altercation between some players is a huge deal. This probably happens on every team. Yes, it got some attention because Kennedy Carter has you know a, a storied history of that. I don't know if storied is the right word. I know of one other incidence that. I heard about in college and honestly it only came up because this situation and we all know about Courtney Williams and her situation in Connecticut. My thing is just this at the end of the day, this is a team who is frustrated and struggling, right? As some of the other teams also are. And it's like professional sports tempers are going to get high professional sports. You have a bunch of people who are used to, if you make it to the WNBA, there has been a long period of time in your life. You were one of the best players, if not the best player on your team. Think about it. 144 women are in this league, right? Like not, not even 144. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the land? I agree. I mean, I agree. There's nothing else to really say. There's obviously a I think a good amount of talent on this team. I can't speak to the drama, obviously drama sells. That's what everybody wants to talk about. But these, these things happen in every professional sport across every, you know, professional league in the world. Um, you know, the Atlanta dream will have a lot, have a long way to go. There's a lot to figure out. Um, they're not guarding anybody. I mean, teams are just scoring at will. Um, obviously, you know, you're, you're not a hundred percent with your roster. You don't have Kennedy Carter out there. So it's like, how do you find these pieces that gel together and work well together on both ends of the floor? I mean, there's, there's a long way to go. And they, and they haven't done any like actual roster changes since Kalani Brown. Um, the, the interesting aspect for me is I almost feel like ownership slash Whoever it is in the Atlanta Dream basically said, okay, let, let, like our coach, we are, I don't know if they want to say fired. No, actually, I'm pretty sure they said fired in the release about Chris Sanko. So fine. You don't, you don't have a GM anymore. Okay, cool. Then you don't have a coach anymore. Okay. So we already knew that this team going into the season, if I'm ownership, I'm going, we knew this team wasn't going to win a championship, right? Renee Montgomery has been in this league. She's, she knows players. She's smart enough to know. Atlanta Dream were not winning a championship this year. It was part of a multi-year process, I would assume, to get to a point of winning a championship. They're not there. Why, why, if I'm the team, 
Am I going to spend more money on a GM right now? More money on a head coach right now? More money on moving pieces around? I think what you do now is you say, okay, the coach we used to have had this game plan, this multi-year plan, whatever it was. Now we have to decide, are we going to bring a GM and a coach who can continue that plan? Or are we going to bring in somebody else who's going to start their own plan, which we might be resetting the clock, but at the end of the day, you kind of need to do that, right? You kind of need to give the power to the coach. And is every coach going to see things through the same view? No. So for me with the Atlanta Dream, it's kind of like this season they're using to one, hopefully, right? This is the positive outlook. Hopefully they're using this season to research and get the best coach and GM possible. And also research and get the best study and understanding of your players. Because at the end of the day, you're not winning a championship this year. And if you're not, if your team isn't winning a championship, you should be focused on finding as much information about the current roster so you can make the right choices during the offseason. Any final thoughts on Atlanta before we talk about your other hometown team, the Indiana Fever? Let's move on to the Fever. The Fever. Hey. They're feeling they got, good, man. They're feeling good. They have the second are, biggest win streak in the league behind the Minnesota Lynx with winning three games. They're 4-16 and 16 now. Will they ever lose another game this season? I don't know. Eat it the rest of the way, man. Let's do it. That would be amazing. Uh, (laughs) The team has struggled. Are my questions answered about should Tamika Ketchings be the GM? Should Marion Stanley still be the head coach? Should this roster be flipped in like two years when they finally can because of all the cap restrictions that they've put themselves in? No. Am I feeling a little bit better? Yes. If I'm an Indiana Fever fan, do I at least have something to hang my hat on going into the half? halfway point of the season yeah and they're past the halfway point but yeah like yeah you're you're i mean you got to be happy right you got to pick your battles and 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 choose what you're going to be excited about well i mean you know we talk about teams right like hitting that point where they're playing well able to able to to really come out and have connecticut on their heels i mean connecticut we talked about it earlier in the show i mean they, they looked like a shell of themselves. Yeah, you could say, well, the Fever just kind of reaped the benefits of how tired they were. They weren't, you know, whatever. Regardless, the Fever won the game and it gave them a little bit of momentum. Then you go on and beat the Liberty, which, you know, in my opinion, is not a highly impressive win, depending, I mean, based on how the Liberty had been playing. And then they beat the Atlanta Dream, which, you know, is the second worst team in the league right now. So, I mean, you know, it, it, we, we can go back and forth if like, oh, those game, those wins aren't impressive. Listen, at this point for the Fever, a win is a win and, and time's a thousand. So, you know, you've got a, you've got a three-game win streak. You've got some momentum. Um, this is exactly what you would hope for. It's nice. It's just nice to see. It was, it was getting so depressing there. Um, it's nice to see some life and some smiles, some energy. You know, it's not, it's not from a lack of – I take that back. I did see the Fever in a couple games where it seemed like it was lack of effort. But, you know, I feel like this team has an extra pep in their step now. Um, you know, I go, I'm with you. Are, are the questions that we had before this streak answered or solved or magically disappeared? No, not at all. But, um, you know, I'll be curious to see how that momentum is carried through this break and into, I keep saying second half. You guys know what I mean. Um, it's a second half. <laughs> yeah. Second half. I, I'll be, I'll be curious to see, you know, I just, in the grand scheme of it, it's still depressing for me. From 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 going to all those games a few years ago and, and living in Indiana and what it was, it's 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 hard to watch. But um, I'm still hopeful. You know, there, there's there's still talent on this team. I think there's still 
um, pieces that have got to, we've got to find a way to figure this out. This, this roster is going to have to be switched up and overhauled one way or another, but um, Hey, they're on a three game win streak right now. And they get to ride that for at least a few weeks. Heck yeah. Well, a couple more than a few weeks. Um, however long it is. I don't even know. How long. If you're living under a rock, if you're not living under a rock, Side note, uh, for anybody who's unable to watch the WNBA All-Star Game tomorrow live on ESPN, unfortunately, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, you will not be able to watch it on replay uh, after the game, which means I'm most likely going to either miss all the game or majority of the game because I got booked for an event, which really sucks. But let's talk WNBA All-Star Game you know, we can go into detail about all the different players and whatnot. I'm excited because I think you and I see eye to eye and team WNBA, mm-hmm. I think pulls out the win by 10 points, mm-hmm. give or take one point. So it's, it, it, you know, nine to 11, I think they win by, um, I'm not going to give any other price prediction, but it's price prediction, score prediction, but I'm curious, what are your thoughts, uh, on this? Epic first of a kind game. Interesting. I just saw that Michelle Vopel, not sure if she broke it, someone else broke it. I apologize. I'm just looking at Twitter right now as we're doing this, but Tarazi is not going to is not expected to play in the WBA All-Star game on Wednesday. She's dealing with a hip injury, but expects to be fine for the Olympics. Um yeah, I mean, I, I did a piece for Just Women's Sports recently about it. I'm I've it's, it was it was fun to dive into it. I mean, the, just the history of just kind of this matchup in this weird year, like this unprecedented year. You've been very vocal about your thoughts of this All Star Game. Um, I think I think there's a lot at st- there's a lot at stake here. There's a responsibility to pre- to prepare Team USA. It's not it's not going to just be you know like Jack Around Fest 2021. I, I really think you know there's going to be people out there competing as as they should. You know, there there's responsibility there. Um, which, which I'll be curious to, to that extent, how far it goes and, and how, what that looks like. But I think you've got the all-stars, some, some chips on their chips, some chips on their shoulders. Um, and I think you have, you know, some first timers that are really going to embrace this opportunity. I'm excited. I will be there. If anyone's in town, let me know. Um, it's, it's a quick trip. Um, gonna, gonna just go to the game and, and hang out for a little bit and, have an opportunity to just be at this this game. I really felt like there was opportunity here for for something cool to happen. I mean, we've never seen this before. In the past, it's been, you know, exhibition style matchups, and so this 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 has a whole new meaning. I, I just don't really know what to expect, and and I'm I'm really excited. Rachel, pick a winner, and by how many points? Stop trying to skirt the question. Ah, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. WMA All Stars by five. Ooh, I like it. See, in, in my in my dream of the game, because I won't be able to actually watch it, it's like uh, I'll give you play. By uh, fi- what? I'll text you play by plays, and then yeah, please do. <laughs> the funny thing is, is like you know when you, when you go back and you look at the scores through history, um, Team USA ends up winning by like twenty. Like watch that happen, and I'm like completely off on all this, but no, but like <laughs> here's my thing. I think you're gonna see a lot of players who kind of want to just show out and kind of stick it to Team USA. Maybe, look, maybe we're all wrong and it's just going to end up being another all-star game where people aren't really trying that hard. In my mind, it's going to be like a 15-point game lead. Um, and then, like, they just start chucking up the threes because, like, all right, are we really going to go that hard to close the gap and all that jazz? Where do you draw the line of, like, not exerting yourself too much so you don't get hurt? You know, that that's, that's the thing, too. Like, 
do you lay it all out on the line? And I, I, that, that's always a tough thing for me. Like, obviously, Tarazi's not playing because she doesn't want to continue to further risk injury. Um, what's the point? This, this game, in the grand scheme of it, doesn't have a whole lot of meaning in terms of going and getting a gold medal. But that, 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 there's just so many moving parts of this, so many gray areas that we won't know until that, that ball is thrown up in the air. Well, I would just hilariously like to add, like, how ridiculous it is that Team USA is getting these all-star everyone who's on team USA is getting the all-star note on their accolades for life. <laughs> and Diana Taurasi, who definitely, you know, based on this season is not an all-star oh, isn't even healthy enough to play. We'll be- and it's still, yeah, what, whatever we'll get into it. it. It's a whole thing. I hope everyone enjoys the game. We're going to run this episode today, but I just want to remind you, Winsider is your one-stop shop for all your WNBA news and conversation. But we can't do it without your help. Become a subscriber at patreon.com backslash winsider. For just a few dollars a month, you can help grow the game. And if you want to sponsor an episode of the Winsider Show, email info at winsider.com, and I will gladly discuss with you. Have a great day, and I hope you enjoy the game.